listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. McCain follows. Doyle branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Tough shot. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Majama presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I'm one of your hosts, Tamer Knight, and you can find me on Twitter at T Knight Sports. And I'm your second host, Justin Barbosa, and you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Today, Justin and I are joined by head coach Ronald Huey from the University of Houston women's basketball. We're going to talk a little bit about his team and the upcoming season. But before we do that, I do have a quick question for you, coach. You know, Mike D'Antoni with breaking news after the Rockets fell short in the last series. This is kind of reoccurring for the Rockets um, from a coaching standpoint. I just wanted to get your opinion. Whose fault or who's to blame for the, the way the Rockets season has ended? I love the way the Rockets play, you know, you know, shooting the three and getting to the rim. You know, those are a high percentage shot these days. Um, the mid range is the uh, least effective shot. Um, so they're up tempo style, um, having opportunity for players just to uh, get better in the off season and come in and, and bring that to their game. So again, it's more isolation basketball. I love that up tempo. So it, with Mike leaving, you know, I'm thinking that style is going to go away too. And, and I, I just hope they bring in someone um, that's comparable to that. But I, I think that the blame goes across the board. You know, when you start talking about um, the players, because you have to make shots. You know, they always say the NBA is a make or miss league. So you have to make shots. The other thing is you have to get stops. You know, the other team can't continually make baskets and you continue to miss baskets. So you have to have a, a solid defensive philosophy in doing that. And I thought they were really good in some games. I think they kind of ran out, ran out of um, steam at the end. Um, but I think it, it goes into the coaching as well. You know, um, you have to be able to motivate the players to do what they need to do. You also have to have the, the system in place um, to be effective night in and night out. Um, you have to be able to, uh, be able to change sometime, you know, be able to play different ways when, you know, their style of play isn't working on that typical night, you know, being able to switch a little bit and be able to get a big in and play bigger and those kind of things. And are you having the opportunity to do those things? And I think that's kind of uh, the thing that I, I, I miss. I miss Clint Capella. You know, he was a big that did a lot of rim running. When, when Harden couldn't get to the rim, he could always draw the defense and throw the lob up. And you can get those those two points that way. And sometimes he will get fouled and, and things like that. So I miss them having a big and nothing's wrong with PJ Tucker. I mean, everything is great about him. He's just at 6'4, 6'5, you know, trying to do that where Clint Capella's, you know, 6'9, 6'10, 6'11. Um, so I think you have to be able to uh, shed your team to where if your game is not on that night, how do you transfer to get the win? 
by doing something uh, a little bit comparable to what you do. Took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, I don't know if I agreed with that trade with, with Clint Capella because he was, he was a great asset to the team. And I think he's one of the guys that they kind of needed in this current last situation um, against in the, in the series, but I kind of got carried away and I was eager to talk about the Rockets, but how are you? How, how is, how is things getting back into the swing of, you know, you guys um, practicing and getting back on campus? Oh, it's, it's tremendous for us. You know, uh, Alex can answer that question as well. She came over and, you know, twice, a week, I think three times a week and watch us work out, take a lot of pictures, make videos. And, you know, the girls are really getting after it right now. You know, once a week we're allowed to, have team practice now and that's at the end of the week on Friday because you know we're testing once a week now on Thursday so when we get those results back and right now I think we're seven weeks negative so we can um, have that team practice on Friday and I'm really excited about what we have to offer this year you know the girls are really focused and you know it's nothing like um, you know today was an off day and we had half the team in there shooting today you know, I think some of that is because, you know, they're not physically going to class, so they have time, you know, they're online, so they're able to log in, do their work, or get ahead and things like that, so they have extra time to be able to do some of those things, and um, it's refreshing, it's refreshing, especially after being uh, undermanned last year, um, because, you know, in 17, 18, 18, 19, we had a pretty good season, you know, 20 and 18 wins, and you know, so last year was disappointing. So the, the girls are really uh, feeling that as well and looking for a redemption year from us. Hey, Coach, uh, what areas of improvement are y'all working on for this upcoming season? Yeah, it's across the board for us. I mean, everything. First of all, all the fundamentals. You know, like I said about the Rockets, got to be able to make shots. So they're getting, you know, three, four, five, six, seven hundred shots a week. Um, so when their numbers call, they can be able to deliver. Uh, the other thing is defensively, you know, we didn't get the stops down the stretch that uh, we needed to win games last year. I vividly remember, you know, Wichita State game, Temple game, just a bunch of games like that where we needed one or two stops. Um, and, and Alex might can tell you, I mean, we probably lost seven or eight games by five or seven points or less, you know. So we're working on our defensive concepts and being able to uh, get that stop when we need to. The other thing we're working on is a lot of team bonding um, because when you love someone, you sacrifice for them. And that's the thing we're trying to do now, uh, build that love and that team bond uh, with each other and that'll roll over to our team chemistry. Um, the other thing we're doing is getting the young ladies to understand how important uh, things off the court is important to what we do. Um, when everybody's on point with you know, all our career development things, all our, you know, we just did vision boards and they all did that. And we share a bunch of those things off the floor too, um, through our social distance and things, because we do everything in the gym that we're able to be able to create exactly what we want. And that's a loving team that care for each other and will play hard for each other. How confident are you in Julia Blackshow Fair stepping up as the new captain of the team? What are those characteristics that make her a leader? Tremendous. I, I mean, we as a staff just talked about this again today. Um, you know, Julia came in as a freshman who uh, didn't want to talk a lot and, and still trying to learn and things like that. Up until last year, I think she was still in that mold of not wanting to lead. And 
I think halfway during the season last year up into the conference tournament, her voice got louder and louder and louder without anybody asking her to do that. Um, so for, to have her who've been through all the wars, um, who've been through all the practices, um, through my loud mouth and coaches and getting on her and things like that, you know, she's a great example for the girls, you know. She, she did all of their roles. She started games. She came off the bench. She, she was injured. She, I mean, she did everything. So they can look at her as a great example. She was a kid her freshman year, um, not being focused, doing what she needed to do her freshman year because, you know, they come in and it's like, I got all this free time and learning how to manage. So she didn't do well the first semester. And the second semester, she got it going. And she's one of the few that doesn't have to be in study hall. And that's been for the last two and a half years, you know. So now she's 3.0 or better. She's career-oriented. I mean, she always talking to Asha, um, our person that helps with career development and, you know, our etiquette and things like that. And she's just tremendous. And you talk about her character. You know, it's a person that's not out here saying one thing and doing another. She puts in the work um, when that's on the floor and off the floor. She's not saying the wrong things in the locker room. She's not, you know, cursing people out and things like that. She's, you know, telling them they can do it and patting them on the back and also pushing them as well. Um, I can't say enough about how genuine she is. Uh, I mean, all the girls are already starting to migrate to her already um, just because she's not a person that's, uh, pushing herself on people. She's that shining example, and they're kind of kind of uh, leaning and coming to her. But I, I can't say enough about Julia. Which one of your players do you think will have a big jump coming into this season? Oh, man, it, it's that's a loaded question. We have um, Maya Crump, who's a red shirt that sat out last year, transferred from Lamar. We have Bria, who... Uh, played over 30 minutes last year, who was just getting her, her feet wet as a freshman. Now she's a sophomore and, and, and getting it. Um, we have Erica, who sat out last year, transferred from Texas Tech, who, I mean, just those kids have tremendous talent. And, and then out of the freshman, uh, it's a toss-up. Layla Blair, um, uh, Cameron, and uh, Taylor, I mean, they're all there working hard every day. And, and I mean, it's a toss up because they're, they're putting in the work to be able to reap the benefits later. There's been speculations about a possible chance for a bubble for college basketball. Are you for or against the bubble? And how will funding be an issue for all, not for just your team, but for all women's college basketball teams, considering they are usually funded less than men's basketball? Um, we, we had a great idea when we were talking in our head coaches meeting, that's the American athletic coaches, women's basketball coaches talked about, you know, taking half our budget that we use to travel in non-conference, taking that and taking all of it and supporting us in the bubble. Um, so hopefully now you don't have to flight travel. You don't have, uh, all the extra baggage fees. You don't have any of that. You go into one place and you can take all that money and hopefully it can be able to fund it. Um, but the problem we thought we were running into is the people that were working the tables um, because those people uh, wasn't going to be able to live at the hotel because they have families, that kind of stuff like that. So how will we be able to take care of those people leaving and coming every day? Then the other thing were the officials. Um, would we be able to have 10 or 12 officials just stay with us the whole time in the bubble 
or will they normally do like they do with just their travel and taking different games and things like that? So those were some of the things that we uh, quote unquote had a discussion about, but I, I thought the bubble thing is tremendous. The NBA, WNBA have proved it. Um, now Major League Baseball is getting ready to go to it for their World Series stuff, all their playoff stuff. Um, I think it just gives you a chance to really hone in and take care of your, your family, meaning your team, administrators, everybody in there. Now, the one thing that uh, the NCAA and we also talked about was, you know, when you talk about a bubble situation, everybody that's in the bubble now are adults, you know, and they're self-sufficient, salaries, those kind of things. So what happens when you take young adults uh, student athletes and put them in a bubble, what happens with their mental health? Um, because some of the things that you hear out of the bubble sometimes is not as great as everybody make, you know, make it out to be. Um, you're, you're by yourself, you're, you only have your teammates and you all know you're around people so long, you're like, oh man, I just need a break sometimes. You know, so those kind of things as well. Um, how long could they stay in a bubble you know, is it a month? If it's a month and a half, do you play two games a week? Do you play three games a week? Um, those kind of things. Where is the bubble? Um, so again, if you talk about the Toyota Center, if you use that as a bubble because it has a practice facility in there as well, then of course it has the arena floor. And then close by you have the University of Houston that has two practice courts and a Fatita Center somebody need to practice. And of course, Rice is close by or TSU as well being able to have enough facilities in downtown, the hotels that we have are, are not even halfway filled at the time when we were looking at them. Um, so what kind of situation would that offer if we could be able to get a floor here, a floor there, or be able to get all teams there on those different floors and they being able to feed us and house us in a hotel and those things like that. So we, we went through that whole scenario and, uh, just to kind of propose something for our conference, but everything is still up in the air. Um, they're having some big decisions made uh, today in the uh, NCAA meetings, committee meetings about the season going forward, and we're waiting to hear what comes out of those meetings. What I'm really interested about the bubble is, uh, like the NBA, they have the, for the home to field advantage, they bring the teams like home noises and home music. I wonder if y'all could ask the Cougar Brass if they can record some stuff so it can have that y'all's home games in the bubble. <laughs> Exactly, and be able to pipe it in. Um, football has started doing that as well. Um, so the thing that's interesting is uh, where Seattle has a, a very loud stadium and, you know, so they could pipe in theirs. And then you go to Miami, who's not that loud and is, is almost where you can hear a pin drop, but they can only use what they recorded over the past seasons. They can't just make up something and be able to use it. So it would have to be something where, like you just said, Cougar Brass be able to play something, get it ready for us, and then we can use it. We couldn't, like, come in and want to play Drake and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you, you touched on a really good point that I was going to bring up because you talked about the mental of these um, student athletes. Because we've seen, like, um, for the Rockets, like Daniel House and for the NFL, um, another player who's lost his entire contract for violating the rules of the bubble um, – it's just for me, it's just the hard idea of trying to accept the fact that you're removing these athletes and um, while these will be students, they're adults, but you're removing them from civil civilization, you know, and taking them away from society. So 
I think mental, the mental awareness is a good, good point for um, student athletes because again, like they're taken away from civilization and how do you expect them to just adapt so quickly um, to this idea? And I don't want to say that, you know, the NCAA will be suspending players or, you know, kicking them off the team if they violate these rules. But at the same time, I think as a whole, um, you kind of have to just step back and think about how can this be beneficial for them, but also help them, you know, remain level-headed. Exactly. Um, because, you know, think about it. We think all our players want to be great. And they want to, you know, make it to the WNBA and, and those things, but that's not the case. You know, I, I talked to a few of mine, they, they're not sure what they want to do. They just know they want to try to help the team win a championship and, and those kind of things and, and play the best college career they can have. And whatever happens after that happens. But then I talked to some other ones that, you know, they are gun ho about, I want to play after, after college. So you get those two different scenarios in the bubble and, you know, somebody that's not, you know, thinking that, you know, I need to be doing some other things like some of my career development stuff, get myself prepared for that because I'm not looking to play. So you can't take them away from the things that they need in their development as well. And so that mental health part is, is really, really crucial. Hey coach, how do you feel about uh, Erica Sydney getting her uh, fifth year eligibility? <laughs> it's tremendous. <laughs> um, you know, Erica is, um, just to give you a little story about her, it was, uh, I think, three days before Christmas, and we had already let the girls go home last year. I think they went home like the 20th or something like that, and it was like the 22nd. Um, Erica texted me and said, Coach, can I go to the gym and shoot? And I got a few girls that want to play pickup, and we were like, cool. You know, as long as we make sure we have uh, not having, you know, people that's off the street come and play, that kind of stuff, have one of the managers there to be able to open and close it. And she was like, okay, I'll just make sure it's all college athlete students. I said, okay. Well, the manager ended up calling me at the time, Kayla, and said, Erica got about 40 people in here. But she had already just got people from Rice, TSU, HBU, everybody just just got them all together just because she want to play. And that's how she is all the time. She's, she's a great kid, come from a God-fearing family. Her grandfather's a, a pastor of a church, and I think it's his church. And that's just who she is. And so she is, just has a genuine spirit about herself, about, and especially playing. You know, watched it. She was one of the kids in there today, and she texts me, you know, I got 700 shots up today. You know, it's just who she is. So having her around, man, or, you know, with this COVID year, I want to make sure we can try to get around another year. So. <laughs> it's always good to have that extra senior voice and leadership. It, it, it's tremendous because she's been through the war. She's, she's been through the up and downs. You know, she was at um, junior college, you know, at San Jack and was player of the year for two years there. And, you know, she understand, understands that and, you know, running a team and what a coach wants and things like that. And then she understands the second part of it. At Tech, where she played half the year and then started losing minutes and was on the bench and, you know, those kind of things. So, again, she has that experience and she has that, um, that, that zeal about herself to where she can be able to express herself for the teammates and, and help them through tough situations. So having her around, I mean, it's just tremendous for us. 
and then she's more familiar with the style of play under your coaching direction. Um, she's familiar with the environment and how, you know, she, you expect things to go for this season. And, you know, maybe if she gets to come back after COVID, I mean, who knows? You touched on it just a little bit, um, but I just wanted to see if you had any word from the AAC about your upcoming season. Will you be playing the Fertitta Center and will fans be able to come out and watch you guys? Well, that's what we're still waiting to find out. Um, the first thing we're doing is um, once we find out today that we're going to have a season and have a practice time or when we can start and things like that, uh, we have to go through with the testing protocols. You know, that's the challenging part because we have a 29-game schedule. But in non-conference, if teams can't uh, do the same testing that we're doing, um, the conference and our administration are not going to allow us to play them. So, for example, if we were playing TSU and they can only test once a week and we're testing three times a week, they're not allowing us to play that game. So we're waiting to see now who can do what testing um, based on the season we're having. Also from the NCAA, we're not going to play 29 games. Um, they're trying to decide today in that meeting whether that's going to be 25, 26, 27. Um, can you get one tournament? The start date is it November 21st, November 25th. Um, how does that look? Um, is it keeping your kids on campus for Thanksgiving and Christmas or letting them go home for Christmas and keeping them for Thanksgiving? So they're trying to decide some of those things as well. And Will we be able to shift people around uh, once we find out about testing? So we know we're, we we scheduled to play Oklahoma late. Let me say, excuse me, early. But if we play them, you know, can't play them before after the twenty first. Can we schedule that game to where we can be able to get them later during the month and not lose that game? So it's it's just a bunch of questions that they're trying to uh, meet on today. To hopefully, they can clarify some things going down the line. So let's kind of switch gears a little bit here. A few weeks back, UH student athletes gathered to protest on campus to highlight the multiple acts of social injustice that has occurred recently. What did it mean to see your players using their platform to be a voice? Do you know how this entire idea came about and what kind of message do you think this sends to the public? Um, I think it came about with, um, I can't remember the volleyball girl's name. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Alexis Cheatham. Alexis Cheatham. Um, and she contacted um, several athletes. And Julia Blackshare Fair was the one for women's basketball, saying that they wanted to, to start this. And it wanted to be just student athletes that, that do it and speak at it and things like that. And we were like, cool, you know, because we want you to always have a voice. Um, for us, with women's basketball, we talk about all, all the time about having a voice. Um, the week before we met as a team for our annual team meeting that Monday and we talked about some of the, the, the injustice and things like that that's going on in the world. And so they had a chance to use their voice and be able to express it with us. And so that's why when they got to the march, it's easy to get out there and have an opportunity to um, just go ahead and be themselves and, and get things out. I think it's tremendous because again, we all go to go through things, um, whether it's fair and difference or whatever the case may be, but it can't be at a price where it costs you your life. 
you know, and that's the thing for us. You know, again, we want to have an opportunity to have our voice heard, but we don't want to lose our life over something as jogging or, you know, a traffic stop or whatever the case may be. And so uh, for the student athletes to get together and, and, and say, we're going to show everybody that, again, we're united as one at the University of Houston to be able to speak out, it was tremendous. And uh, we couldn't. I mean, it was just tremendous for us to be a part of. Well, you heard it here, folks. But we'll be right back with more from Coach Huey and the women's basketball team of University of Houston in their 2020-2021 season. And we're back for the second half of Pod Slamajama, presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Coach Ron Huey, as we talk about the upcoming women's basketball season, Coach Huey, what do you want the city of Houston, our listeners, fans, to know about this upcoming 2020-2021 season? Um, that we're going out there, you know, to play as a team to represent our city. You know, it's, it's a reason, you know, we wear this red and this Houston across our chest. You know, this branding is not just, you know, for, you know, show. It's the pride that we have for our city. You know, it's the you know, that same pride and determination and strength that, that gets you through Harvey. It's the, the same thing that gets you through uh, any other tough time that you have. And that's that's what we carry on our shoulders when we go out there. And, you know, they play for their why, you know, their families, their, their friends and, you know, those kind of things. But at the end of the day, and we represent a great city, a great university, great administration, and um, we don't ever want to let them down. You know, I am just a huge advocate for women's sports because I have to say this, they don't get the same support as men's teams. And so for me, it's, it's very important to kind of help you guys get y'all's name out there. Um, you know, make people aware that you guys are still a part of the University of Houston. So that's why I always like to ask the question to kind of get your perspective um, and to see where, you know, where your head at and let people know that, you guys matter just as much as all of the other sports at the University of Houston. Exactly. And, you know, the thing that helps with that is you have to win. You know, you have to win. You know, uh, I talked to some SWAs before I was a head coach and some ADs, and they always said, Coach Huey, all the things are really great with women's sports. You know, their achievements and, you know, on and off the floor and their GPAs and the graduate and all of that. But it's about the left column. The left column is you have to win. You know, you, you win, you can get to where Don Staley has the University of South Carolina. You know, I was there as an assistant before and, and we wasn't that. And she came in and grinded it out, you know. Um, and, you know, just trying to talk about some of the people where Oregon, Oregon wasn't there where they are now, you know, it's just when you fight, 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 and you get there, you have to do your part. And that's doing our part because again, the people of the city get up and bust it every day. Y'all know how you're riding on the road. You're like, man, look at all these people. Everybody's trying to get there because you have families, you have uh, children, or you have co-workers or, or whatever it is that you're doing that you have to take care of or impress or you're trying to get to that future thing that you're doing. And that's what we want to represent, you know, that hard working, put your hard hat on, 
get your lunch bucket, and um, let's go to work. You mentioned South Carolina, but we have to bring up UConn because they're no longer a part of the AAC. So what do you think this season is going to be like for you guys? You know, it's going to, you know, everybody's already talking about opportunity to win conference because UConn, uh, we always thought we could win with UConn here, um, even though we didn't do that. You know, that still doesn't change the mentality that we have. But we're really looking forward to a great season. I mean, everybody in the conference, because now we know it's wide open. Um, everybody has a, a really, really equal chance because when you have a UConn in there, you already know, you know, I'm supremely confident, but I'm realistic as well. Um, so everybody's looking forward to it as we are to trying to, to, to knock each other off to get to be the last team standing in the conference and cutting down the nets. I certainly hope to see you guys pull this one off this season because I've kind of watched you guys go from Angela Harris, you know, Jasmine Harris, Dorian Branch, and you guys are kind of a powerhouse. So I'm just hoping that, you know, this season you guys really seek redemption as y'all say y'all are and everything works out in y'all's favor. Oh, yeah, we're really look, looking forward to it. And they're working hard for that because, you know, when we sit down for film sessions and they see, you know, being down 20, 25, 30 points to Tulane and coming back and winning in double overtime and, you know, the Oklahoma game, you know, those are, are things that they know that we can achieve over and over and over. You know, going to South Florida and winning at South Florida and, you know, it's just things that we've done in the past that we're really proud of that we need to get to a consistent basis on again. You know, again, one down year last year, um, we'll be back up this year. Uh, added tons of talent. Now it's our job as a staff to be able to put those talent in the right position to have them excel. And we're looking forward to it. Really, really excited about it. Hey, Coach, when you came onto the campus in 2014, what has changed so much about the athletic facilities? Oh, the facilities, I mean, everything is, is A1. You know, I remember going through the interview process and they showing us the uh, practice facility um, that we're getting ready to build and things like that. And, you know, now we got the practice facility, we got the Fatita Center, we have the, you know, the, um, the football facility, um, new parking garages. Uh, I mean, the new uh, apartments on campus. I mean, everything, stadium. It, it's now we're a power five school. And I tell people that all the time because people always call me about it. Because the first thing they say when we call them to schedule a game, they always say, well, y'all power five. Because their measurement is if we do well, we're never ranked in the mid-major polls. None of our teams have never been ranked in the mid-major polls. But when we do get ranked, we get ranked in the national poll every time. So they always say you're not mid-major. You're not mid-major, you're major. And so our facilities are major now. You know, so again, that's the part that we know now we can compete with everybody across the board. We were doing that, you know, without the facilities. And now that we have the facilities, you know, it's just changed the game totally. But that's, the, that's their, everyone's measurement outside of our conferences. You guys are never measured in the mid-major polls. Always the major receiving votes for this or you this and you that, but never in the mid-major. So they call us a power five school. 
the Fertitta Center speaks for itself, certainly, and it's nothing like that home court advantage. Um, Coach, just a little bit about yourself. You want to tell our listeners just a little bit about you and your background and how you ended up at the University of Houston? Um, I started out at South Carolina State, where I went to school, and um, I got an opportunity there for Ms. Charlene Johnson to come and be a part of the staff that was new with Tanya Mackey, and I'm grateful um, for them for believing in me. I was a high school assistant at the time, and um, from there, I just decided with a few mentors and my grandmother just to be better than you were the day before, you know, and, and just strive every single day to do that. Um, I interviewed for two jobs um, at Rutgers when I was assistant there and the uh, job that I have now. All the jobs in between, uh, Florida State, Texas, whatever, I always got a call in and do you want to come here because the work that I was doing stood for itself. The girls, the recruiting, the player development, um, the new, you know, getting to know people and building relationships stood for itself and so um, that's what we talk to our girls about all the time. You know, your character and your work ethic needs to walk in the door before you do. Um, so just doing those things, working my butt off, being respectful, going to work for some great head coaches. And I, I mean, when you talk about Joy Williams at the University of Central Florida, C. Vivian Stringer at Rutgers, Gail Guestencourse at Texas, Sue Samurai at Florida State. You know, I just can't, I've been blessed to have an opportunity to work for some great people and the other thing was coming to get the best job in the country at the University of Houston. You know, everybody always, every year, are you looking for anything and things like that? I was like, I got, why? I have the best job in the country in the best city. Um, we, we have everything we need to be <laughs> successful. I mean, you talk about fertile recruiting. You talk about a great city to sell. You talk about the medical program and, and the medical capital of the world almost. Um, the two airports, I mean, I can go on and on and on, but um, it's about our kids. It's about our kids each and every day. And that's what we want, don't want people to forget. You know, myself and our staff, we're always gonna do a great job, but it's about our kids. And we want people to, to, to understand that. I think you said your character and your attitude needs to walk through the door before you do it. Is, did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Because I need to apply that to my life. That's a good one. And your character, I heard it here, your character and your attitude needs to walk through the door before you do. Wow. Yes, and it's something my grandmother taught me a long time ago. You know, it was, you know, what people think of you needs to enter the door before you do, you know. So again, you need to carry yourself in a way that it does, you know. If you're if you're a butthole, people are not gonna want to deal with you, and they, it's gonna it's gonna get out there, and they're gonna know, you know, that's gonna those kind of things. And so we're constantly talking to our girls about that, you know, having that motor within yourself to be able to say, I'm gonna do this, no matter if I feel good, no matter if I have ten thousand things going on, whatever the case may be, I'm still gonna be the greatest every day. You know, when you get up in the morning, you have to have that positive thing in your head. I'm going to have a great day today, and I'm bringing in all positive vibes. You know, that's why I always tell everybody, good morning. I'm having a great day, regardless of the day could be going crazy. But again, I'm in a point in my life, even growing up, where 
I am going to handle all of it. The discipline that I'm creating within myself, um, it's going to get me through this. It's going to get me through this, and I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Who was one of your biggest role models uh, into your journey, journey into coaching? Oh, that's easy. My high school basketball coach, his name is Tim Gates. Um, he came into my life as, as when I was in the seventh grade, and um, he's still in my life today. Um, I talk to him probably once or twice a week. Um, he's still mentoring me. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, my father walked away when I was six, and he's the closest thing I have to a father. So, I mean, hands down, no, nobody else, hands down, he's the person I could say that if I have to give up my salary for a year for somebody that helped me get to where I am, he'll be the person mm -hmm. to get it. And I had some other people along the way to be able to help me, those kind of things. But from seventh grade to now, hands down, is him. What's one fun fact that you would like to share with the public about yourself? Oh, I'm a movie buff. You know, a lot of people like to go, and especially my friends back home, they call me, man, you've been to the turkey leg hut? You've been here? You've been there? You, I heard they got a great zoo, you know, all this kind of stuff. And... I'm like, nope, I'm home in my movie room, my theater room watching film while I'm watching movies. You know, I've watched The Joker probably 20 times. Um, the Devil in the Blue Dress with Denzel, I watched that. I mean, I'm just a movie, movie person. So I could take the whole weekend and order some Chinese food and just chill out and just watch movies all weekend. Just okay, watch movies. Well, I have to disagree. You have to go to the turkey leg hood. Even if you get it to go to bring back to your movie room, you need to go eat at the turkey leg hood. Ten out of ten uh, recommend. I, I've been there a few times for lunch or a while before they got like huge now. Yeah. Um, because I, I swear I can't do the lines, man. <laughs> but the food there is it's it's hearty and it's perfect for a movie because you're gonna fall asleep, right? afterwards right <laughs> <laughs> exactly as soon as you said you have to do the turkey leg hut alice got this big smile on her face like <laughs> she totally agreed with you <laughs> and you know the turkey leg turkey leg hut is good if james harden and pj tucker they're like the first place they go to right after the bubble <laughs> exactly exactly you know I, I like the uh, reggae hut and I like the breakfast club, you know, those things, you know. Top five, top five. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just can't, I can't fight that long just to, just to get a meal. I'll go home, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and watch some movies. <laughs> Coach, we thank you for coming on to the show and it, it's been a really good time. Yeah, certainly. Thank you so much for doing this for us and, you know, if we could ever have you back on here again, that would be awesome. That That's tremendous for me. Uh, anytime, just schedule with Alex and we can do it. Um, I mean, Zooms are taking over our life and, and podcasts now anyway, so <laughs> let's do moment, it. Right? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> we're, we're doing them, but I can't thank you guys enough for just giving us an outlet to, you know, just to talk a little bit about women's basketball and who we are in the state of women's basketball, um, sports in general, um, Houston. I, I just can't, I can't thank you guys enough. Appreciate it.
any final thoughts? Um, just as soon as we find out we're going to have a season, you know, come out. Uh, if, if we're having fans and they have to social distance or however, just, just come out. And I promise you, if you witness a game this year, you'll come back. You will come back. Um, we, we owe you one from last year. Um, it, it wasn't a great year for us, and, and we thoroughly admit it. You know, it starts by looking in the mirror at ourselves, and we're going to make the adjustment to doing the things necessary to be successful this year. So have an opportunity to come out. You know, our young ladies are involved in community service and, and those kind of things. So if you have something you want us to be a part of, we're willing and able to do that. We'll fit it in our schedule. Um, but we're definitely uh, happy to be here, love our city, love the people that's around us, and, um, and embrace it. So that red runs deep. And don't forget, always remember, let your character and your attitude walk through the door before you do. That's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysts, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description. Check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slam Pajama, presented by Clutch City Control Group. Go Cougs!